We are in the last week of our series, Broken and Beautiful. This has been a really, really fun series uh, for, for me, and I hope it has been for you too, where we've been getting to kind of look at these different ways as people. How, how are we broken? But also, how are we redeemed and restored by the gospel to be the beautiful creation that God intended us to be in the first place? And so we've had a lot of different weeks. Last week, if you watched live, Pastor Craig did an amazing job preaching from his office at home. So we still got to have a sermon last week, even though we, it wasn't really safe to get to church. Thank you guys who, who you know, showed up and watched that. I was actually surprised that tons of us watched that last week. And so today, we close out that series. And we close it out with, with, a, with a very big idea that I think is really, really important for each one of us spiritually. And that idea is that we are all called to be fully surrendered followers of Jesus. Now, if you want to follow along today, because this is still, I, I know, newer for a lot of people because we're used to having bulletins and we don't have bulletins anymore. If you go to elementlife.com on your smartphone, yes, it's okay to be on your smartphone at church. You can go to elementlife.com and tap on message, message notes, and then you can follow along and take notes there. If not, if you're like, I'm a handwritten note person, I'd recommend bringing a journal. Now, this year and this series, we want to talk a lot about our vision as a church, our battle cry as a church. So last time we talked about the idea that no one fights alone. We talked about this idea for Element Church, we want to go into our community, we want to go into our city, we want to find those people who feel like, hey, th this life, I'm facing battles, I'm facing hard things, and everyone does, right? I think we all face a battle at one point or another. But as a church community, we're saying you don't have to fight that battle alone. We are here because we care about you, because Jesus cares about you. And with that, our overall vision as a church, and we're going to talk about this more at the vision night and how this applies to us and all these things, but we're called to be a growing community of fully surrendered followers of Jesus. And so that's why today we want to explore a little bit about what does it mean to be a fully surrendered follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple? And we talk about today, we're talking about this whole idea of surrender, right? So this is the second time in the series we've got to use like battle language. A couple weeks ago we talked about our battle cry, which is very like, ah, battle cry. This week we're talking about surrendering. That's like the opposite of a battle cry, isn't it? Like for most of us, we're like, man, surrender. Surrender doesn't sound fun. No one likes to surrender. Maybe you're a board game person like me. Uh, uh, I play a lot of different board games. Me and my wife love board games. Uh, video games, those sort of things, and maybe, maybe you do too, and I am tenacious when I play a game. I do not surrender. I do not let anyone win to be nice. That's not even an option. No surrendering. We, me and my wife, we would married about a year, and we were playing a game at our friend's house called Mario Party 7, if you've ever heard of it, and I won... Like 36 games in a row. Many of which I did not deserve to win, by the way. And everyone was just mad. And I could have just threw a game, but I can't do that. There's no surrendering here. There's no throwing a game. I'm going to win until I lose. No one likes to surrender. 
But when we talk about Jesus, we talk about being fully surrendered followers of Jesus, because that's the kind of language that we see throughout Scripture. That's the example we see Jesus set. At one point, Jesus talks about how we have to die to ourselves. In other, in other part of Scripture, Jesus refers to us picking up our cross to follow him. Well, what's a cross? A cross is something used to kill something. So Jesus uses the language of, hey, you're going to have to die so that you can live. You're going to have to surrender so that you can win. Fully surrendered to Jesus. Today's passage, you would think when I'm talking about this idea of being fully surrendered followers of Jesus, that I'd use a New Testament passage. But actually, I found an, an Old Testament passage that I really love. It's in the book of 2 Samuel. And it follows this part of scripture where it's actually David's last words. So David was the king of Israel. And he was, he, he was, he had ruled and he had reigned and he had done all this amazing stuff. And he was dying. He says his last words. And then there's this little portion of scripture where it records stuff about his mighty men. And what they had done. And it starts, it, it continues here in Samuel 23, 13. It says, During harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. That's a verse that will make you thirsty. Psychosomatic moment there. So these three mighty warriors go to get water for David. And so this is actually referring to three mighty warriors that were just mentioned, the passage before. And I'm, we're just going to summarize these three dudes very quickly. The first one is Joseph, a Tachamite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. So we've got Joseph, one of the mighty men. Old Testament's a little graphic sometimes, right? Uh, <laughs> he's a leader of soldiers, and it's saying, hey, this, this guy was so strong and mighty as a leader of soldiers that he, in one battle, took out 800 people. And we, so we see Joseph, who's one of these three mighty men, and what Joseph represents here is a leader who was under David, who was willing to lead from the front. He wasn't a leader who said, you know what, hey, I'm in charge of these 800 soldiers, and you guys go and deal with the enemy. No, he, was a, he said, hey, you know what, we're going to the enemy, and I'm going to be in the front, and I'm going to show you how this is done. Joseph was a mighty man who led from the front. Then we've got Eleazar. I love this. Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. 
That's right. Man, that dude, he, I love Eliezer. By the way, he's the son of Dodo. Aren't you glad that's not your dad's name? Eliezer fought till his hand was stuck to his sword. Eliezer here is a mighty man who represents for us tenacity. He represents being someone who no matter where Jesus puts you, whatever battle you're fighting, that you're going to say, Jesus, because of your work on the cross and because of what you've done for me, I am going to fight and I'm going to fight and I'm going to fight and I'm never going to quit. Lastly, our last mighty man, we've got Shammah. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. And he wins, by the way. Shammah is a man who defended a, fear, a field of lentils. He shows us someone who's willing to stand in an ordinary place that other people might say, this is something that's not worth anything. But God told him to stand there, so he stood. These are three pretty cool guys. So the three later on, are with David, and David's like, dude, I'm thirsty. And there's a well down here in Bethlehem that has water, and oh, if only I could have some of that water. And so they go and they get it. Even though there's a Philistine, the enemy, the people they're fighting against, they're at war with, they're down there by that well, and they fight their way through, and they get that water for David. Then they bring it back to David, who asked for the water, and David won't drink it. He won't drink it. He says, oh, my, this was, this was bought at your blood. And he pours it out. <laughs> he pours it on the ground as an offering to the Lord. They ask for, he asks for it, but he didn't drink it. These men were committed to David. Wouldn't you say that? Wouldn't you say that? that David didn't even order them to go get water for him. David was just like, man, I wish I had some of that water. And they look at each other and they go, this is David who we love. He's our leader. So we're going to go get him that water. And they go and they fight and then they bring it to him. You might even say that these three mighty men were fully surrendered to David. They were fully, fully committed and surrendered to him. No matter what, they were going to do what they felt was right for David. And this is an example for us to see, and we're going to dig into this a little more, really what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. To be someone who, who is one of Jesus' people, fully surrendered to him. This is a great example for us to look at and say this is what it really looks like to be a Christian. What it really, really looks like. So we're going to look at the broken and beautiful in this passage. I'm going to see a little bit of both, I think. I think in some ways, this shows the kind of the funny brokenness of us as people, that we can make overzealous, crazy decisions sometimes. We can. We can make overzealous, crazy choices. And we see, like, right here, so that three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. Sometimes we can get a little crazy. David didn't even ask for the water, and they're just killing people to go get water. 
for us what this looks like and whether or not our decisions are crazy or holy is all about the condition of our heart and if we're listening to Jesus. Because we can be overzealous in religion in saying that, you know what? I am going to check off all the right boxes. I'm going to follow all the right rules. I'm going to make sure that everyone can see how spiritual I am so that God will love me. So that I can, I can, I can earn my way. to I can show how important I am. On the other side of it, is where we say, Jesus, whatever you call me to do, I will do, even if no one sees me, even if it hurts, even if it's ordinary, even if it's crazy, but you've told me to do it, so I'll do it. And that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, right? Obedience is better than sacrifice. So just because you're, you're making crazy decisions and you're saying, hey, I'm going to do this, and unless Jesus has told you to, obedience is better than sacrifice. We have to obey what Jesus tells us to do more than we have to try to make ourselves do spiritual things because we think it's going to make God happy. And here, you have to ask the question, is the water that good? Right? David's thirsty, but isn't there, there's got to be some water somewhere else. It's like if we were hanging out up, up in Cranberry and Millvale was occupied by the Canadian Mounted Police and they had taken over, we couldn't, and we were like, oh, if only I could have some of that delicious Millvale water. <laughs> With all of its added lead to fortify my diet. No. <laughs> Peter. Peter's the king of this. There's a, a, one of the followers of Jesus. And we're going to look at Peter twice in, in this message today. But right up as Peter's being arrested, we see this happen. It says, Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Peter gets a little overzealous. And he was rightfully confused. Jesus told him to get a sword. But Peter gets a little overzealous and he cuts off this guard's ear because the guard's trying to take Jesus to his death. And Jesus knows that's where he's supposed to go, so he stops Peter. In fact, he heals the guard's ear. Sometimes we're broken, we make a little overzealous choices, and sometimes with good intentions. But we have to remember that obedience is better than sacrifice. Because sometimes we have to acknowledge in our brokenness, even though we're empowered by the Spirit and we're trying to do the best we can, sometimes we have to realize we, get, it's, we can get confused about what Jesus is telling us to do because we're broken. But we're beautiful because of the gospel. We're, and when the gospel gets in our lives, when Jesus gets in our lives and he changes us and we're born again, and we're, I think in our humanness we're capable of this in some ways, but it, through the gospel it becomes even more true that we are capable of great devotion and love. And when I read this passage, that is what I see. I see the great devotion and love of these three men to David. And the example that it sets for us, that if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, 
This is a lot what it looks like. Imagine that it, we're empowered by it, the Holy Spirit for his mission. So we take time every day and we pray. And we build that relationship with Jesus through dialogue. Moments where, where we have our requests and we, t- and we worship and moments where we, we're quiet and we listen. And we take the Bible, which is Jesus' words to us and God's words to us through the ages, through many different authors, and we read those and we let them soak into our spirit. We're fully surrendered to Jesus when we do that. Because we can do those things out of religion and they won't do us any good. But if we're fully surrendered to Jesus and we do it, we're going to get to know God pretty well. We're going to let, he's going to change us by his spirit. And then just like those three mighty men, we hit a point where in many situations, God doesn't even have to exactly come down in a burning bush and tell us what to do. But we know him so well that we can look out and then we can hear, we can hear that situation. We can see that person in need. We said, I know exactly what Jesus would want me to do about this. And that's what we, we see here. We see that they didn't require a calling or a burning bush to go get this water for David, but they were like, we love David. He wants water. We're going to get him water. I love 1 John 3.16. This isn't John 3.16. It's not the one they hold up at football games. But 1 John 3.16 is this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Our example is that Jesus was fully surrendered to the will of God. Jesus was fully surrendered to the point where he laid down his life on the cross for you. And so through that, he calls us to be fully surrendered in the same way. In the context of this particular verse, John is talking about how we love each other, saying, hey, Jesus loves you this much, so everyone in your community, your church, everyone in the world, you lay down your lives for them. We can be these three mighty men. Hey, ladies, you can be a mighty lady. That's okay. We can be Joseph by the power of the Holy Spirit, where God can call us out to be leaders who lead from the front in our town, in our city, our country, as long as we're willing to step up and do it. Now, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to have to be a pastor. It's a rough job. It doesn't mean that you're going to have a title. But it means that each one of us has to say, how can I lead someone else? Because if you're saying, hey, I'm fully surrendered to Jesus, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple, one of the hallmarks of being a disciple is that you are being discipled, you're learning about Jesus from someone, but they also you're willing to be a discipler. I mean, you're sharing your faith. You're, you're helping someone to know Jesus more. And it might be that you're just called to lead one. One to Jesus. And that's great. But you're called to lead someone. You're called to be Joseph. To be the, the leader who leads from the front. 
I think also, if we're fully surrendered to Jesus, we can be Eleazar. He's the one, again, who swang and he swang and he swang until his hand was grafted to his sword. Whatever God is calling you to do, he's calling you to be tenacious about it. He's calling you to step into it, and no matter what you face, to keep fighting. And that's hard because it's real easy to quit. Quitting, quitting is always easy. But what God wants for you comes out of being fully surrendered to Him, which means whatever it is, you keep fighting, you keep swinging, you keep stepping up and saying, Jesus, no matter what, I'm going to do what you've called me to do, and I'm not going to quit. In that same way, we can be Shama, because often where we have to be the most tenacious is in the lentil field. We have to be most tenacious in the most ordinary places of our lives. Because oftentimes that ordinary, normal place is exactly where Jesus wants you. It'd be easy to say, Jesus, I'm going to serve you when you put me on this high platform and everyone can see me and see how important I am. Usually it's the lentil field. It's, it's your work. It's your school. It's your home. It's your neighbor's. The ordinary places of your life is the place where Jesus is calling you to be fully surrendered to him and to fight. John 21, 15 through 17. This is another story about Peter. So Peter cut off that dude's ear. Jesus puts it back on. Then Jesus goes to die. During this time, Peter runs, runs away, doesn't want to be identified with Jesus because Jesus is being killed, and he denies Jesus three times. They Basically, people come up to him and are like, hey, you know Jesus, you were with Jesus, and Peter's like, nah, I don't know the dude. And Jesus dies, and Jesus rises from the dead three days later. And Jesus, since he's risen from the dead, has been talking to different people, and he's appeared to his disciples a couple of times. And now we're hitting this point where Jesus is talking to Peter following a miracle, and this is what happens. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I, this is what's great about being fully surrendered to Jesus, about taking that step and saying, Jesus, it's, I'm all in. It's all about you. So you see, Simon, you, Peter's here, Peter's here, or Jesus is here, 
and they're talking about loving each other. And they're using two different words for love here. One is agape, the other one is phileo. Agape is the highest level of love in Greek. When we go back to the original John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that love there is agape love. It's unconditional, selfless love. Phileo is still a high level of love, but it's a little bit different. It has a lot to do with like brotherly love and, and that sort of thing. And so there's a little bit of, of, of stuff there that's like, hey, if you love me, I love you. It's a little more conditional. And so Jesus is looking at Peter. He says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter responds, Lord, I, I phileo you. I love you, but I don't, I, I don't know if I love, I love, like, wow. That's... So Jesus asks again, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, I phileo you. And then Jesus, what he does, and he does this for each one of us, every moment of our lives. Jesus says, okay, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me as a brother? And Peter says, yes, yes, Lord, I, I love you. We talk about being fully surrendered followers of Jesus. Jesus is willing to come to wherever you are at right now. You don't have to necessarily step up and say, I've got this all together. I can love you perfectly, Jesus. I can be fully surrendered to you perfectly. Jesus says, where you're at, let, let's meet right there. Let's meet right there. And then I will empower you by my spirit and I will take you to where you need to go. And he does that with Peter. Peter. 